So good morning, everyone. Welcome back to church uh, again. We're going to this, uh, this morning restart our series in uh, Mark for the benefit of, er- of everyone here, maybe uh, if you're joining us for the first time or, or whatever. Uh, we, we began Mark last year, and I've got to tell you, it took us about eight months to get through about eight chapters, I think, or maybe seven chapters. Uh, I thought maybe this year I'd go a little bit faster, but you know what? The reality is, with, with God's Word, you just got to go with it where it goes, and, and we're... We're not called to be, you know, entertained by this. We're we're called to be discipled by it. We're we're called to actually, you know, be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and basically do what Jesus did. And you can't do that if you're not looking at this stuff and and taking the time to 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 I guess absorb it. You know, so so we'll just see what happens this year, and we'll just go with it. Okay. I want, to, I want to recap just, I guess, some of the big picture stuff of Mark before I read today's uh, passage at the start of chapter 8. Uh, G- Jesus arrives, remember, way back at the start and shares this message of the gospel. He, sa- he, he said, I come with good news. Um, he, he is set apart as Saviour and as Lord. And he is baptised. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, which is, I, I guess, the starting point for the Christian life. And then, and then Jesus wastes no more, he wastes no time, but then he gets in and, and starts recruiting people to come follow him. They're not, they're not trained professionals, they're, they're people who are teachable, right? And, and they're people who, who probably come from a whole range of different backgrounds and different ideas, and they're, and they're, and they're called to put aside their, their childlike rivalries and to put aside all the other things that they that they usually you know spend all their time thinking about, and start following me. Put put all that stuff behind you, and and set a new course following Jesus. He he goes on over and over again, like like in in every story, Jesus talks and he demonstrates this this love for people that just goes beyond anything we can understand. He, he, he starts proclaiming the, the arrival of this, of this thing called a kingdom. Uh, and, this, and this is the never-ending, the unstoppable rule and the reign of God on the earth. Uh, that, that's the kingdom that, that we live in today, even though we look around us today and, and we don't see much of that kingdom. We, Jesus w- went on from there and he just demonstrated over and over and over again the, the power of this kingdom to see the you know to see to see the blind people see, to see lame people walk, to see the deaf people hear, to to heal people, to restore people, to to throw to throw open the captives of sin and to set them free, and along the way he just he, he just repeatedly you know calls people to follow him, and to put their trust in him, and without reservation. Leave your past behind and come and follow me. And, and he entrusts this to, to his followers to, to essentially do what he has been doing. He, he sets the stage for this. And he actually tells us in, in Mark later on to, to start doing the things that you have seen me do, believing that you might even see them in more remarkable ways than what you've seen it with me. And one of the one of the I guess the continuing themes of the kingdom or this or this whole passage about about Mark is 
Jesus' intentionality to grow and to, and to stretch the disciples way outside of their comfort zone. Like he, like he calls them into mission, right? And then just over and over again, he's trying to get them to start thinking on his level and not just theirs. There's, t- today's passage just reminds me of, of those Gibbs slap moments from NCIS. I don't know if anyone watches NCIS here, but um, is it Naval Criminal Investigative? Anyway, there's, um, I, I can tell you, by the way, that having worked with a couple of NCIS people, that the TV show is nothing like, but that's another story for another day. So on the, on the TV show, you've got, you've got the older, wiser leader called Gibbs, who, who is self-controlled and wise and, and, and a really smart guy. He knows everything. You've, you've got one of his staff that he works with called, I think it's, the, is it Denozo? And, and he's a bit of a hothead. He's, he, he's young. He's impulsive. He says some dopey things. And once in a while, Gibbs just gives him a little smack on the back of the head. And it's often quite humorous. It's often quite probably derogatory, you know, I guess, in a sense. And these moments just, just seem to happen along the way with following Jesus. And they're not derogatory, right? I think Jesus is just trying to give these disciples a slight tap. And they're, and they're teaching opportunities. They're learning opportunities. And I think as you, as you read the story today... Jesus, I think, spends a lot of time with, these, with his followers breaking down the, the resistance in them to, to this kingdom and to, and to his message and to be the sort of people that he's calling them to be. And it's often really, really different from what we just take naturally. So I just, I just want to read this morning um, from Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 1. And I want you to see this this series of teaching opportunities or learning opportunities that that God or that sorry that Jesus brings along. So verse one says, About this time another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food. Again. Has anyone read anyone heard this story before? Jesus calls his disciples and tell and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They, they have been here with me for three days. And they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed all these people out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they said. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground, he, he took the seven loaves, thanked God for it, and broke them into pieces. He, he gave them to his disciples, who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were also found. And so Jesus blessed these and told the disciples to start distributing them. They ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up about seven basketfuls of leftover food. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. And immediately after this, he got in the boat and his disciples crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Let's keep going from verse uh, 11. It says, when, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and they started to argue with him. Testing him, they, de- they, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. 
When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this miraculous, sorry, this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them and crossed the other side of the lake. I've got a, a, a few more verses to go from verse 14. The, the disciples had forgotten to bring, this is, this is where the head slap thing comes in, right? Verse, verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. <laughs> they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this point, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? The passage goes on and we'll pick it up next weekend. But, 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 I, but I, just, I just want to start by saying this morning, doesn't that, doesn't that story sound very familiar? And it should because, you know what, October 23rd last year in this building, I'm pretty sure we, we preached the same passage or a very similar one from Mark chapter 6. And we did do that, okay? So the last time Jesus fed 5,000 men and their families. And yes, I take the position that these are two very distinct um, occasions and they are put together closely I think for a reason okay this this story is almost a carbon copy which leads which leads some people to think maybe it maybe it's the same story but but Jesus talks about at the end of it about didn't don't you remember what happened last time <laughs> okay so the only difference that I can tell is there's a different number of people in the crowd and we're in a different location but but here's but here's what's fascinating the disciples don't seem to understand what's going on. They, they, they don't seem to remember this moment from as, as having any idea that, that, that this happened before. So I guess learning opportunity number one, one is this. We, we tend to ignore or forget what Jesus did before. I want to suggest this morning that, 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 that there is actually something really, really healthy about us as followers of Jesus, reminding ourselves over and over again of his provision for us and his story in our story, our, our life. Okay? Because, because the tendency of the world and the tendency of the everyday stuff of life is, is that we just notice the size of the latest problem that's right in front of us and we work really hard to try to address it. And there's, you know... I, I don't, I don't want to belittle, I guess, the cost of living stuff. I know that's a real issue right, right now. But you know, I, I guess the tendency to sort of say, okay, there's, there's another interest rate rise. Or there's another crisis that's on, that's, that's on my horizon. There's another big you know, concern down the road. It, it just brings another layer of anxiety and fear and worry to our lives. And, and the journey of life is that there's always something else around the corner. That, that, that is the reality of life. And here's the thing. If you, if you don't stop regularly as, as God's people and remind yourself of the way that God came through for you last time and remind yourself of how, of how often over and over again that Jesus has provided for you, you, you tend to get thrown from one crisis to the next. Okay? The, the disciples here have got no perspective 
because, they, because they're just responding to the crisis in front of them and, and they don't stop to think, didn't, didn't this happen before? Maybe what happened last time would be interesting to think about now. Okay? Now, as a, <laughs> it's interesting that they're, uh, that, that they're thinking about the physical reality and the situation right in front of them rather than the spiritual reality that Jesus is trying to show them. Now, as a church, I, w- I want to suggest to you this morning that this is, a co- this is a collective story. This is a collective story because what, and here's, here's the thing. We, we should, as a church, have a great long list of times looking back where we can celebrate and see how God has worked here before. We, we, we should have a big long list of times where he has provided where, where he has done the impossible, where, where, where people have been healed here on a Sunday morning, where we've done more things out in the community and people have come to faith and lives got changed and events happened and, and I guess, you know, God, God's just done the impossible. New, new ministries got started, all of that sort of stuff. Okay? We, we should be able, as God's people, to look forward regularly on occasions with optimism and with confidence on what God might have in store for us in the future because of what he has done before. We, we tend to, though, in our Western world and in our lives, we, we tend to worry about the next big problem right in front of us and forget about what, 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 what God did last time. And sometimes that, that just brings a whole level of chaos and a whole level of fear. Now, we're not, we're not called to do the same thing we did last time and just hope for the same result or a different result, okay? But we are in the family of God, I think, allowed to look back, not so we can go back, but to look back believing that God might want to do something like that again in the future. Those, those stories of how God has provided before should give us confidence and expectation about what he's going to do in the future. Okay? I, I have three words written on my, on my whiteboard. Those, those three words are, do it again. And those, those three words for me are, are, are not only a good song that maybe we'll sing here one day, but, but they're also a reminder for me that, that over the course of my life, I have seen God do some crazy things. And I hope and I believe that he might just have some of those same crazy ideas for our future if we choose to work with him. Okay? Remember what I said before about breaking down that level of resistance in here. That's, that's what God is trying to do in those constant reminders about remembering what he's done before. Okay? Now, looking back at God's faithfulness should not fill us with dread. It, it shouldn't fill us with, with, with exhaustion. It shouldn't fill us with discouragement. I think it's meant to sort of, you know, sometimes remind us of missed opportunities. And that's okay, but we shouldn't live there. It's actually meant to fill us with expectation and with faith about what he might want to do next. Learning opportunity number two is this. We we, we see people as the problem. Now, I want to be careful here. Just 
Jesus is talking real life and real faith to people on their level. And they're sitting there and they're lapping it up. Like the, like the disciples are probably sitting there going, this is remarkable stuff. But then moved with compassion for these people, Jesus sees these people and he, and, and, and he wants to act. I, I reckon verse 4 strikes me as being important. It says, his disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them? No, notice, notice that word them. Now, there's, some, there's something going on here, okay? Because we, we don't know exactly where the disciples are. We know, we know that, they're in, they're, that they're in the wilderness. There's a mention in verse 10 of Dalmanutha. There's, there's a mention in verse uh, 13 about Decapolis. So we, we aren't quite sure where they are, but the reality is that they are way outside of Jewish territory. They, they, they're surrounded by people who are not like them. They're not Jewish. They, they, they don't see the world that we do. Okay, And you can almost feel on some level the disciples have this level of resistance. Well, it's, it's fine for Jesus to love them. It's fine for Jesus to feel compassion for these people. It's, it's even fine for Jesus to, 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 to maybe want to do something for them. But, but don't involve me because that involves me having to step outside of my comfort zone. Okay? Now, I want to say something here, church. But your people are not the obstacle for us. Okay? But people are not obstacles to our lives. They're not distractions or, or, or anything else. People are the mission. People are people who are loved by God and they are our mission field. And I guess I share that because when, when we start on some level thinking about, hey, these, these people are, are not like me and the people who you know, we, we want to come to our church have to on some level got it together like me, you may as well just kiss your mission goodbye. Because you're already alienating a whole heap of people who maybe haven't got their lives together like you. But that's not mission, okay? Remember that the church is a place where people are valued and loved irrespective of where they come from and irrespective of what they look like. And I wonder if, there's, I wonder if on some level there, Jesus is just trying to say to his people, hey, I, wa I want you to see these people the way that I see them. With, with the same eyes that I see them. And that requires that you step beyond here and you start using your spiritual eyes. The third learning opportunity is, is this. We repeatedly get paralyzed by obstacles. Okay, the disciples have got this, this, this massive amount of people right in front of them. You know, there's, you know, there's thousands of people. They're in a wilderness. There's no shops nearby. And in terms of resources, they've got nowhere near enough to do, to do this. And I wonder maybe in that scenario, if the easiest place to live is just paralyzed by, oh, I don't know what to do next. <laughs> okay? You know, last time it was 5,000. This time it's 4,000. In Wangaratta, for us, the last census data, that number's 29,700 or, or, or thereabouts. Okay? And one glance at those people out there one glance at our world shows us that, that it's not only A, wrecked by evil, but B, that many people seem really hostile to the idea of faith anymore, don't they? Now, 
all, all I can see when I look out there is problems. All I can see out there are, are obstacles. And I don't know how to fix it. But I reckon that's the point. Okay? I, I reckon that's the life of following Jesus on so many levels. Okay? We, we are invited as his followers to, to join him on a mission that is so big and so overwhelming that we often don't know where to start. And the starting point is, like Jesus, to, you know, he, I, think, I think in this moment, Jesus calls the disciples over to his side and he says, look, I, I want you not only to notice these people the way that I do and feel compassion for them the way that I do. And he tells us to look at our lack of resources. He tells us, in a sense, to look and notice all the obstacles but then be moved enough to our knees to start praying and sharing what you've got anyway. Okay? Rather than get overwhelmed by the size of the problem or the size of the obstacle, you just use what you've got and make a difference where you are. Okay? See, here's the thing. When, when, when you live on your knees... When you live on your knees and you have the heart, the, the same heart as Jesus does, you start seeing opportunities and you don't start seeing obstacles. And that's the thing, okay? And I can't, can't help but wonder if the church as a community wouldn't get this. If, if, if we would be together in prayer and together start loving people the way that Jesus did and start relying on him for his provision, I wonder if we might just have the same impact where we start reaching thousands of people for him as well. We've got to be thinking about not obstacles, but thinking about those spiritual and kingdom opportunities. Point number four. This is, this, is, this is learning opportunity number four. We, we live obsessed with the wrong type of priorities. And this is, I just, I just want to tell you, this is a hard one. This is a, this is a challenging one. We have, we have this moment here where, where Jesus refuses to do a miracle with the Pharisees to prove his identity. And then he gets back in the boat and he wants to have this teaching moment with his disciples to explain what's going on. Okay, he... He, he wants to open their minds to the spiritual reality of something that's going on here and they can't see it. And next week we're going we're to get this story in, in, in chapter 8 about a blind man and the fact that he can't see either. And Jesus is trying to make a point here. Okay? The, the passage said again, verse 14, The disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. As they began to argue with each other, because they hadn't bought any bread, Jesus knew what they were saying and he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you see what's going on here, essentially, is is what he says. Okay? I reckon this is fascinating. Like Jesus mentions the word yeast. It's the, it's the same word, I think, I think, as leaven in other translations. Yeast or, or, or leaven is like a rising agent, which if, it, which if it does the right thing in the bread, 
it works out really well. It works out beautifully. But if it stays in the bread too long, or it doesn't do its job, you might, it, it's, it's, a, it's disastrous, okay? The, the, the leaven of the Pharisees is, they want a God who is like a superman who operates on their terms and not on anything else beyond their control. Like God's got to act the way that we think he should, okay? The leaven of Herod is probably the opposite. The leaven of Herod is, is power. Like Herod just wants, Herod's on a power trip. He wants more and more power and the only thing that matters to him is him and what he's got, okay? And it's, and it's almost comical here on some, on some level that Jesus mentions yeast to unlock this kingdom principle or this spiritual reality, but the disciples can only see as far as their lunch, right? And the same people who have seen Jesus' miracles and all his power and all his anointing and all his might, and they've seen him feed thousands of thousands of people are now concerned that maybe he can't cater for 13 for lunch. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think what Jesus is saying here is that when you spend your life worrying about what's next and you spend your life worrying about the stuff and the past and the uncertainty of the future and the bother of all the physical stuff of life. He said, he said, he said you're basically living from the same heart perspective, the same heart posture as the Pharisees who want a God in their own making, and Herod, who doesn't want a God at all. Okay, this this is meant to be one of those one of those moments where where Jesus is trying to open their minds to something, and they can't get it. Now I reckon, I re and I think I think what Jesus actually is saying here in this moment is actually beautifully captured in in, in Matthew six in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, "Don't worry about these things, saying, what do we eat?'" What do we drink? What will we wear? Those thoughts dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This, Jesus is not asking... He's not only asking his followers to trust him completely... He's also trying to transform their thinking to, to think about kingdom first and everything else second. That's, that's what he's trying to get them to. You see, you see, when you start thinking kingdom first, you remember God's faithfulness in the past. When you start thinking kingdom first, you start living with expectation of what God's going to do next. When you, when you think kingdom first... People matter like Jesus, like, like what they did for Jesus. When you start thinking kingdom first, you live selflessly and you bring all that I've got so that Jesus can multiply it. You, when, when you start thinking kingdom first, you, you are moved to prayer and to compassion and to trust and to action. There's a, there's a real danger sometimes, I think, that, that sometimes we are just we spend all our time living with a whole bunch of priorities and a whole bunch of other things that revolve around my material need and they revolve around my, my, you know, 
the whole me, me, me of life, that we never actually embrace the spiritual reality that Jesus is trying to help us to see. We've got to start thinking as a church, kingdom first and us another time. Okay? We serve a God who is willing and able to fight our battles for us. But he's also a God who asks us to see past the, past the reality of life and start working with him to make a significant difference in our community and in our world. Okay, and just, and just as a word of warning, we're going to get into a lot of this stuff as Mark goes on about the cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus. The cost of following Jesus in terms of who you are and your marriage and your family and a whole heap of other areas like money and everything else. It's, it's really, really practical. And I, say, and I say all that to make this point. that The key to understanding and to unlocking this whole area of Scripture here is that we've got to, you've got to understand what it means to follow Jesus in every area of your life. And the way you do that is you start thinking kingdom first. Okay? I want to finish today with a simple question for you. And, and, and the question is, is this. In what area of your life today, in what practice in your life, in what spot are you tempted and reminded to live kingdom later or kingdom last rather than kingdom first? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything else you need. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, um, God, just the way that your word just cuts through all of the, the stuff of life and it, and it directs us, Lord Jesus, to your purposes and to your plans. And God, we, 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 we just want to pray, Lord God, that as we open your word and as we continue in this series in Mark, God, that you would open our eyes to the reality of what it means to live kingdom first and everything else second. God, I want to pray for the ability on a spiritual level to not forget what you've done before and to not live with expectancy, believing that you have something great that you want us to do in the future. God, I want to pray that you would help us, give us eyes to see people the way that you do and, to, and God, the same heart and the same compassion that is moved to action. God, not, not to see distractions, but to see people who you love. God, I want to pray that you would help us not to see obstacles, not, not to be dressed up and to be worried about all of the things in front of us right now, Lord God, but, but, but instead to actually embrace and live in that spiritual reality where there are souls to take and there is ground to take for the kingdom and the kingdom has to come first. We won't, but I just want to pray that you, that, that you would, as your people, as your church, guide us and help us to see the spiritual reality of the physical stuff that we do every day. God, open our eyes to what you're trying to do. And Lord, we, we just want to pray 
that as a church and as people, we would, we would not be people who have a resistance to you. Not be people to, who, who, who live with a resistance about what you've got to do. We, we, we want to pray that we be people who live with a passion to do what you do and to work with you to see a significant impact for our community, for Jesus. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, church, for joining us. Uh, thank you and God bless you uh, to all those watching online. Um, just, wanted to, uh, just, just wanted to send our, send our love and best wishes to all of you. We'd love to see you here uh, another Sunday. God bless.